we doing? Good, good. Um, how's everybody's fantasy teams doing? <laughs> I gave up. I don't even think I fielded a team today. Yeah, I don't care. It's like, whatever, you know? You get to a certain point, and you're losing enough, and you're just like, it's cool. I'll be that team, you know, that, like, everybody's like, yes, we're playing Jesse's team this week. Automatic win. Um, no, welcome to Young Adults. If this is your first time of coming to um, a theater, to go to church, and, you, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my, I didn't even know I was coming to church. Um, could you just raise your hand really quick? I would love to say hi to you. Can we give them a hand? Welcome. Welcome. So the weeks after a retreat, the week after a retreat are always typically kind of different weeks for us um, because God does so much and then you come back home and you're kind of like in reality and um, I think that these are the times where we are most prone uh, to think about what's real and what's not real. And so I think tonight God has a special message for us about what is reality for us in here and what actually is real for us in here. And for those of you who were on the retreat, our whole goal was for us to understand what God's kingdom looks like on earth, right? And we keep saying that our vision is to be God's kingdom here, to be God's kingdom now. And I had a blast. You guys, this was by far my favorite weekend um, I might have ever had. Definitely my favorite retreat I've ever been on. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I have like a Letterman, not a top 10, but I have a Letterman top five um, in my head. And so I thought I'd share with you some of my favorites. Uh, number five was probably our dodgeball team getting shiners. <laughs> uh, yep. If you can't tell, um, that's Megan and Yanni, and they both got messed up, you know? And our nurses that day, our nurses on that Saturday, that full Saturday, it was like, uh, we got a splinter in somebody's hand, and then it was like, uh, we got somebody to scrape their knee, and then it was like, somebody just got a concussion, you know? And, and that was uh, probably one of these guys, and it isn't a good retreat unless someone's like holding up numbers for you you know, at the end of the retreat. And so that was these guys. Um, Minnesota Love. There was these two girls that I got to meet on the retreat. <laughs> you guys probably did too. Um, these ladies heard our podcast in Minnesota, just like Googled, like young adult, God, you know, whatever. And, and found our podcast, okay, traveled out here by plane, flew out here by plane just to join us on the retreat, met um, lifelong friends. Some of you know them and are keeping in contact with them. I met them. These ladies are awesome. They came out here. They became Broncos fans. They, <laughs> no Vikings. Sorry, Connor. No Viking fans up in here. <laughs> no Viking love. And these girls, that was just awesome. It was so cool to me to see this ministry reaching other parts of the country. How crazy is that? Uh, number three was um, one of my friends and our youth pastor, white boy, Josh Kingry, breakdancing. That's Josh. I'm shocked right now. I could not believe it. I was impressed. You know, I was like, I don't know, should we hire you for the next thing? Are you on America's Next Best Dance Crew? You know, or like whatever. Um, did you guys ever see that, by the way? Fabulous. Um, America's Best Dance Crew. Um, awesome show. No? That, don't worry about it. It's on MTV. This is cool. Um, 
Probably number two for me was hearing about the charter bus, which it took, uh, it was probably one of the slowest modes of transportation to get to the retreat. I think it took, Whitney said, 86 hours to get to, get to the retreat. And so by the time we got up there, it was done, you know? Um, no, but you guys took the charter bus, and on the way home, Whitney opened it up for anybody to give a testimony, and pretty much everybody on the bus, there was 47 people on the bus, pretty much everybody got up and just said, this was amazing, and it was life-changing, and felt the tangible presence of God. On Saturday night, and this is my number one uh, moment, was just the God movement that happened, and um, I don't take for granted, and I hope you guys don't either, when the tangible presence of God shows up. Because we pray for it, I pray for it every single time I get up here and speak. And the reality is, is that he's always with us, he never leaves us. But that presence where he comes and he hovers, like that is not something to be taken for granted. And I was so thankful. I left change Saturday night about what this ministry was about. I think the ministry took a turn this weekend. And I don't think we're going to be a ministry anymore that is focused on what we're about and what we're doing. But no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter what size we are, we will always be um, focused on God's kingdom coming. And so I had an awesome time. Um, If you guys could, we're going to stand up uh, because that's what Nick had us do for the reading of scripture. And uh, I loved it. Thought it was awesome. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John 1. If you don't, don't worry about it. And this is the beginning of the Gospel of John. It says this, John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I want to focus on this part of the scripture. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. I want to talk to you tonight about the idea that God died Not just so you could breathe, but that God died so that you could be alive. And so I titled tonight, When Dead People Come Alive. When Dead People Come Alive. And so let's bow our heads, let's pray. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your spirit that's real. Thank you for your word that's living and active. And I pray tonight that um, we would just, as a people, we would just rise up on the inside. I pray that... um, we would offer up to you tonight the parts of our hearts and the parts of our um, memories and, uh, and souls that um, are feeling dead tonight. And I pray that everybody in here would know, God, that you came, man, to just give us so much more than we could ever ask for or imagine. And I pray that that's real to everybody in here. And we, we love you, Jesus. Pray this in your name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You guys can sit down. All right. How many of you have ever walked into a room, okay, walked into a room where the air is not moving, like at all, and it hasn't been moving for the last little bit or the last little while, right? You walk into a room, and immediately it's like, you know, you cough, and you can taste the air. You know what I'm talking about? And it hits your nostrils, and it's just nasty. And you're like, what is this air about? You know, right now, in my gym, for example, okay, it's too, it's, it's that time of year where it's changing from summer to fall, okay, and it's too cold. They don't turn on the AC anymore. 
but it's not hot. It's not cold enough where they're turning on the heat, right? And so the air just sits there with like hundreds of sweaty people, you know? And you walk into a room and you walk in there and you're like, whoa. And for those of you who use like prescription nanoperspirant, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're like, it's all good. It's all good. I'm used to it. But it's like you walk in there. <laughs> it's all right. Gosh, I'm so rude. All right. You walk in there and you're like, whoa. Like it smells to, like the air, the air is dead in here, right? And you're looking around like, how is everybody still working out? Like, how, do, how are people not noticing, like, how terrible the air, like, it's muggy, it's musty, you know, and the people are on their ellipticals like, it's fine, no, no problem, right? And, um, and I, I think what happens over time, right, is you can get into these places where the air is not moving, okay, where there's no um, motion going on, where, where the air is dead, and initially, it smells terrible to you, and initially, you, you don't want anything to do with that stuffy, like, crowded, muggy room. Like, you don't want anything to do with it. But over time, right, you're in there. It's like a couple minutes go by, ten minutes get, go by. And suddenly, like, you don't even notice anymore. Like, it just becomes a part of what you're doing. And it becomes a part of your uh, environment. And you don't notice that the air is completely dead in there. Until you walk outside and you breathe fresh air. And all of a sudden, it, you know, and it's like, this is the way the air is supposed to smell. And this is the way that it's supposed to hit my lungs, like in a cool, crisp fall, right? I remember a few years ago, I became a Christian when I was about 17 years old, okay? Got saved and was, uh, it was one of those experiences where immediately I was aware of, of the life-giving nature of God. I was 17 years old. I'd lived 17 years without the Holy Spirit. And that moment and the, that season changed my life. And freedom, and you guys know what I'm talking about, freedom started to work its way through my body and through my mind and through my soul. And I remember I was like, I don't know anything about Christianity. Like, I literally, I mean, they'd be like, they'd name a book of the Bible. They'd be like, Joel. And I'd be like, awesome. <sighs> like, I'd like sweat in church. Like, you know, like, and I'd never find it. And, and I knew that I had to get around other Christians. I knew it. And so I sign up for, I read, start registering and applying for Christian colleges all across the nation. I ended up, uh, you know, getting, uh, being able to play soccer at CCU. And so I go there, right? Thank you. It's a good school. It's a good school. I was not a good soccer player, but it was a good school. Sat the bench. And so... So I go there, and I'm learning, and I remember thinking, everybody has got to be stoked about the freedom that they have found. Everybody in here has got to be so pumped up about the life that they found, and they've just got to be the most alive people. And some of those people were. But some of those people, I remember thinking, man, you seem a little dead on the inside. And I wondered... I wondered if after millions of sermons and listening to sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon and worship song after worship song after worship song, I'm reading the books and reading the books and hearing the radio stations and going through the rigmarole and doing the thing in church and whatever, raise your hands. And like, if after a while, it just became kind of stuffy in there. You know what I mean? And the air 
was a little bit religious and it was a little bit dead. And I remember thinking to myself, like, where's the life? Where's the life? Where's the breath of fresh air? And in John 10, Jesus says, I have come to give you life and to give you life abundantly. And that word abundantly means more than enough. Okay, so that just that means life more than enough. That's what he said he came to give. And yet for a lot of us, that might not feel like what we're living. And so I wanted to ask you tonight, just simply this, are you alive tonight? And not are you breathing. Not are you breathing. But are you alive tonight? When you walk into a room, do people feel your presence because you are alive? When you walk into a room, does it light up and does it feel like a breath of fresh air because you are alive? And if not, then tonight I want to ask you to maybe consider to ask Jesus to revive you and to make the dead parts of you come alive again. There's a story that we're going to read tonight in John 11. So John starts out and he says, Jesus is the life and the light of all mankind, right? And then he keeps going and he talks about in John 10, he's like, um, in him was life and life abundantly. And then it, he goes on and this is John 11 and it says this, and I'm just going to read this. It's not up here, so just kind of receive, um, receive from the Lord through this word. It says this, now a man named Lazarus was sick. And he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on her Lord and wiped uh, his feet with her hair. And so the sisters sent word to Jesus and said, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that the God's son of, or I'm sorry, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed for two more days, and then he said to his disciple, let's go, disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, Jews were trying to stone you, and yet you want to go back. Jesus answer, answered, are not there 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will stumble, for they um, will not stumble, for they see um, everything by the world's light. It is the person who walks at night that stumbles, for they have no light. It goes on and it says, After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking, though, of his death, but his disciples thought he meant a natural sleep. And so then he told him plainly, um, I love this, Jesus is like, let me tell you plainly, because you're boneheads. Lazarus is dead, he says, but for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. For four days, he'd been dead. You ever feel like you're dead on the inside? You ever feel like every zombie movie that's ever been made, you know, like where, where the, the being, the thing, is able to move and able to walk and able to, like, growl? <laughs> but the thing is dead. And for you, you're going through life and you kind of feel like I'm able to be here and I'm present and I'm active and I'm here. But, man, on the inside, I'm just not alive. 
And I wrote down a couple of ways that maybe right now you're kind of feeling this with Jesus and you're feeling a little bit desperate. And the first one is this. Maybe you've been feeling like it's been a while since you and Jesus have had a moment. You know what I'm talking about? Like John and I, my husband and I, we can, um, we need to have that moment, you know? Like we can be together. We'll be together at young adults and we'll be together at a retreat and we'll be hanging out and we'll be getting up in the morning and drinking our coffee, reading our Bibles, hanging out with our kid, right? But we need a moment, and that, what I'm talking about is that moment where, um, you know, maybe Brooklyn's with a babysitter and we're sitting in front of each other at dinner and we're laughing about something that's like so awesome that happened during our week and that both of us think is hilarious. You know, like we need that moment of connection that's just so real and that only the two of us get. You know what I'm talking about? And maybe for you, it's been a while since you've had a moment with Jesus. And sometimes I'll ask young adults, I'll say, when was the last time, you know, how are you and Jesus? And you'll be feeling, well, you know, you'll be saying things like, well, it's, it's great. I, I don't really feel anything right now. I'm not feeling anything right now. And I'll be like, well, have you guys had a moment? Have you guys hung out? And sometimes the answer is something like this. Well, yeah, you know, I went to church like last weekend and it's like, no, 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 no. Like, did you and him have a moment? Like, have you guys had a moment? Well, yeah, you know, we hung out, we did this Bible study, and it was great. Talked to some people, got some more knowledge, been reading some books. Did you have a moment? Everybody needs a moment with Jesus to feel alive. Maybe for you, um, you're starting to suffer from, like, this spiritual death because your relationship with Jesus, um, maybe you've been having moments, but uh, maybe your relationship with Jesus has become more religious, Maybe it's become more religious. John 11 says this. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Lord, the one you love is sick. Lazarus is the only one besides John the Apostle, the apostle that is talked about in Scripture as being the one that Jesus loved. As being the one that Jesus loved. And how would John know this about these two? How would he know that Lazarus and Jesus are tight unless... They were tight, and everybody could see it. Have you ever, like, had those friends who are super close to the point where it's, like, annoying? You know, and they've got all their inside jokes, you know, and you're kind of standing on the outside like, (laughs) 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 what you laughing about, you know? (laughs) Like, I want to know. That was Lazarus and Jesus. Like, they are tight. Like, and I'm picturing Jesus because he wants us to understand, like, we were close. And, you know, Lazarus and Jesus would laugh about, you know, they'd be like, oh, my God. You know, Lazarus is talking to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, you remember that time we were at the concert, and Martha was, like, trying to wait on all the band members, and you were like, Martha, you know. Just sit at their feet like you're cool, you know. And they're like dying laughing and everybody else is like, what is happening? Like, I don't understand, you know. They went and they did stuff together. They hung out, you know. Who knows? I mean, John was the only other one that was talked about as being the one that Jesus loved. And so they, maybe the three of them got together and it was like, we're the three best friends that anybody ever had, you know. Like, we don't know. We don't know. The point. 
point of him saying that, that this is the one that Jesus loved, is he wants us to understand that they had a relationship that was real, that was authentic. It wasn't a church that was born, or it wasn't a, a relationship that was born at church on Sundays. It wasn't a relationship that was born from a list of rules of how to serve God better. It wasn't a relationship that was methodical. I'm going to read my Bible for 20 minutes, and that is how I'm going to have a relationship. Could you imagine if Lazarus was like, Jesus, you and I are going to be best friends. Sit here, okay? You just sit, and I'm going to sit right here. And how can I serve you today? Okay, I got my journal out. Okay. And I'm going to read about you for 15 minutes. Okay. Oh, this is the part where you overturn the tables. At the temple, love that, Jesus. You're hardcore. (laughs) No way, man. No way. They had a relationship. They were real friends. And some of us in here, myself included, have gotten to a place with Jesus where our relationship has become religious, And it has become, um, you know, us trying to figure out the best way to serve him. And it has become, how do I get ahead in my Christianity? And how do I um, do better, God, at what you've asked me to do? And, uh, you know, how how can I um, get better at this Christian game or receive more from you? And it's kind of become this thing where I perform, okay, and I expect from you, Jesus. It's religious. And you feel dead inside. There's no life there. Religion has this way, and sometimes you'll know this if you close your eyes and you picture Jesus, and the very first thing you see is kind of this stoic figure. You know that maybe you have him all wrong, and he wants relationship with you. And so if you're feeling dead on the inside, it could be that religion is robbing you tonight. Maybe you're in here and you're feeling that um, a little bit dead inside because Jesus is delayed. Because Jesus is delayed. Scripture tells us that it was four days, four days before Jesus shows up. Four days. Not only that, it actually says at one point Martha says, oh, Jesus, she goes, don't go into the tomb. She goes, uh, he's going to stink. He's been dead long enough that his body is decaying. It's been that long. And what you need to understand is that Jesus found out about this man's prayer request the moment it became an issue. Martha and Mary sent word to Jesus and were like, he is sick. You need to get here now. And weeks go by. Like we don't know. Days, weeks, months go by and Jesus doesn't show up. And then he's dead for four days. You ever give something to Jesus? You ever give him a prayer request of yours and then he doesn't show up? You ever give him a dream and you say, God, you know, I've got this dream, but I lay it at your feet because I don't know if it's going to work out or if this is my will or your will and you lay it at his feet and then months go by, maybe years go by and Jesus doesn't show up. You give him a hope. You lay down some piece of your heart, and he doesn't, he doesn't show up. And some of you know this feeling 
where um, it's been so long now that that part of you kind of feels a little bit dead. You know, you're like, man, this dream, like it was alive, it was real, and I gave it to you, and now I don't know. Like, are you even handling it? I need you to show up. And I think this story, when I read about Lazarus, I don't think it is about a physical miracle. I think that Jesus has enough of those under his belt to convince us that he's God. I think that the the point of this story is that Jesus wants us to know that no matter how dead we feel, that no matter how dead this particular issue in our life feels, that he still wants to come and he still wants to wake it up. Amen? It goes on. Jesus wants you to come alive. It says this, Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. So this is Martha and Jesus talking, and it says this, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now that God will do or that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She's trying to have faith. You know, when people are like, when they're like, man, you just need to have hope. And you're like, oh, man, I've got hope, you know, at least I've got heaven. I mean, that's really kind of what Martha's saying. She's like, I know, Jesus, I mean, I know, you know, you're going to raise him up in the last day. But right now, I mean... Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. That's what he's saying. I am the resurrection and I died and I will die so that you can have life, not just a pulse but life. And this story goes on, you guys, and um, he rushes out to go be with Mary because Mary's lost it, okay? She's like weeping. And Jesus goes out there, and it's one of the most profound parts of Scripture because Jesus goes out there, and I just want you to hear this tonight, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're dealing with, if you came in here and life is awesome, if you came in here and um, life is not awesome, like put it in your back pocket for later if you don't need it now, and if you need it now, hear me. Jesus goes out there, and he needs kneels with Mary, and he feels her pain, and he feels the loss of life in his friend Lazarus, and it says this, it just says in one verse, Jesus wept. Jesus wept over the physical death of a man. How much more do you think he weeps over spiritual deaths in our lives, over when you don't feel quite alive, over when you don't feel quite victorious. He was so broken about the fact that his friend's life was stolen from him, and he is broken about the fact tonight that there are parts of your life where life has been stolen from you. And we've been talking about this idea of kingdom come, 
And we're like, Lord, how, you know, how do we do this? Because the vision of young adults is that we be God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. That we love people the way that you love people, Jesus. That we accept people the way that you do. That we bring light and life and hope to the city of Denver. But how do we do that, Jesus? Like practically, how do we do that? And I think this story is it. I think this is it. And he's just kind of tapping and he's like, can you let me bring the dead in you to life? Can you let me bring you to life? This world needs people who are alive, you guys. And band, you guys can come back out here. Romans 5 says this, and I'm about to drop a, at least what I believe, might be a bomb, small bomb, a theological bomb on y'all, because this is my favorite part of scripture. It says this in Romans 5. For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? What this is saying here is we were reconciled to God through the death of Jesus. By Jesus shedding blood, your sins are done with. They are done. They are wiped clean. You are reconciled to God. Done. And that would have been enough. That would have been enough. Like right standing with God, we all go to heaven. Awesome. Woo! How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? By his death, he took care of your sins. By his resurrection, he gave you a new life, a brand new life. Thank God. Because I don't know about you, I don't just need someone to deal with the way I act. I don't just need someone to deal with uh, what I do. I need a God who deals with who I am because I'm a broken person with lots of fractures. And that's exactly what Jesus did. You're not just forgiven. He's given you a new life, brand new. And tonight, I think, I, I think he wants every single one of us in here to wake up. I think he wants every single one of us in here to realize that he came to give you something new, to give you a new life. And people in Denver are not searching for another church. They're not searching for a fancy message. They're not searching for a perfect worship, worship song. They are looking for people that are alive. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for someone when they meet them that's a breath of fresh air. There's a quote, and I love this. It says, don't ask what the world needs. This is by Howard Thurman. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And so how do we bring God's kingdom to everyone, every single person we meet? We let Jesus reach in and absolutely remake our insides and give us life and life abundant. In this story, Jesus finishes weeping. He gets done crying. And this is just like the awesomest, most manly move I think I see Jesus make. And he goes, and he goes just move the tomb. He gets done crying and he's like, let's do this. Get that boulder out of the way. And they're like, are you sure? Like, I don't, you don't need to do this, Jesus. You know, like, like what if the miracle doesn't work? 
And it says he rolls away this stone and he goes inside. So they took the stone away. This is John eleven forty one. 41. And then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. <laughs> and the dead man came out. And his hands and his feet were wrapped in strips of linen, and a cloth was around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Can you guys stand with me? Tonight, I think that God wants to say to you, to the parts of your heart that have died, to the dreams in your life that have died, take the grave clothes off. And tonight, I think some of you have walked in here. In fact, I know some of you walked in here with hurt, with depression. And God wants to say to you in this moment, I can revive it if you'll give it to me. I can resurrect anything if you'll give it to me, but you have to hand it over. Some of you walked in here tonight and you're so self-consumed, like you're so worried about your stuff and your world and oh my gosh, like what's going to happen in my life? Like I just don't know. And God's like, we give it up to me. Can I resurrect it for you? Can I give you a new life? Some of you are encumbered by religion and when you picture God or picture coming to him, like he just wants to like smash that and revive you. He wants to give you a picture of a Jesus who comes and who's your best friend and who loves you. Take the grave clothes off. And with every head bowed in here, I'm going to pray for you guys. And if you're in here tonight and you're saying, you know what, there are parts of my heart, Jesse, there are parts of my heart that need to be revived, and they just know it. Parts of my heart that have hurt, part, part, parts of my heart that are dead. And if you're in here, and um, I'd love to pray for you. Um, if that's you in here, would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Maybe some of you are in here, and you're hearing about a God for the first time who loves you, who isn't religious, who came to give you life, he didn't come to give you rules, he came to give you life and life abundantly, something new, something fresh, a breath of fresh air in this life. And you're saying, man, that sounds like the kind of salvation, that kind, sounds like the kind of savior that I need. I would love to meet this God. I would love to meet this Jesus. If that's you in here, would you raise your hand? And I'd love to pray for you. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. All right, God, first of all, I lift up the people in here who received you, God, and I pray for them, God, that you would just meet them in a powerful way, in a new way, and that they would understand the kind of Savior that they have in you. And God, I pray for every single person in here who said they have broken parts, we have dead parts, we need reviving, God, I need reviving, and I pray that you would meet us tonight in worship in a brand new way, that we would sense your spirit and your life, and God, that we would leave here just overwhelmed with your goodness and your life. In him was the resurrection and the life. And God, we love you so much. Be with us in worship. We worship you for everything you do, do for us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.